Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Now, again, thank you so much for being here and for being a part of the service. Um, we're going to start a new series this morning, but um, as we get into the introduction today, I, I, I'm just going to kind of speak and then we'll get into the, the introduction. But as we, uh, we look at a number of different things throughout our culture and throughout the society in which we live, many, many, many of us, myself included, we have the, the pursuits and the dreams and the goals, and we, we live by this thing that we have entitled the American dream. We see the desire for happiness. We strive for the, the things that we feel that we need to have. If you go through the, which we don't do often, you go to the library, you go to a bookstore, the number one sellers are mostly self-help books or goal-oriented books to provide us with happiness and to provide us with things financially, materialistically, get-rich-quick schemes are out there in abundance everywhere, the idea of putting in half of the time and making ten times the income. We live in this type of a society today. Sad but true, many who take the route to, to end, to get to those places and to become happy and they seek all of these things, they find that they get to the end and they're not happy. Many times they're more depressed than they were before. And we really live in, in a society, and I don't know that it's just today, but it's the society in which I live today, of people being unable to control their circumstances, which find themselves being controlled instead by their circumstances. When our jobs, our relationships, our houses, our churches fail to make us happy, we dump them and we move forward and look for something else, the next thing that will. The problem is we never often get to that place, that place of happiness, that place of bliss, that place that we're really, really striving to get to where everything is going to be just okay and perfect. And When you get there, let me know how it is and we'll see what goes on there. But that's not the reality of life. There is no perfect setting. There is none of those things. We live in an imperfect place because we're a group of imperfect people. But we seek happiness and pleasure and self-gratification in many, many, many other ways. Ecclesiastes says it, that it's vanity of vanities, all is vanities. And today we begin a series entitled, Be Happy. We're going to look at the book of Philippians and we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And I'm going to do that between now and the end of the year. And I'll promise you we're not going to be in Philippians from now until the end of the year. But over the course of, I'm going to break it up throughout different sermon series. But between now and then, my goal is to go through the book of Philippians verse by verse, to dissect it, to grow in it, to learn in it. But as we look at the book of Philippians, and we kind of entitled it, Be Happy, a little bit of a play on words, the theme of Philippians is joy. 
One of the most intriguing thoughts of that is, though the theme is joy, the person that was writing it was in the midst of prison, and the people whom he was writing it to were poor and needy and really weren't the people that you would look to and go, wow, those are the most joyful people ever. And so we're going to look at some of those things, and the reality of it is, and I think most of you would understand it, though it's, it's easier to understand than put it into action, joy and happiness and all of those things don't come from the surroundings and the circumstances of which we're put into. I think of just in a couple weeks, next week, as, as a group of us will go to Guatemala and we'll be in the middle of a, of a place of of poor people without many things, but the group of people in which we'll be in and around and among will be happy and they'll be very content with the things that they have. When I was there last February, my wife and I, we were able to, to be around those people and we were in places that, were, that we would look at and just, it's just, it, we can't even compare to, to where we live and what we are around in the States. When I was there, one of the things that jumped out at me was we have a homeless population here and and I get all of that and I'm not downplaying any of those things and the needs of the, the people that are in that. But the people that live there, many of them live below what our homeless population would live like. Our homeless population are rich in those countries. And I say all that not to make us go, oh, and all that, but, but they live happy, many of them. We're going to bring them shoes that most of us would not put on our feet again because it's, it's old, it's out of style, and those kids are going to pick those shoes up, and they're just gonna, their faces are going to beam, and they're going to get a sucker, and they're going to they're get a piece of a Jolly Rancher candy, or they're going to get those things, and they're going to be in heaven because those aren't things that they have. All the while, we have those things and 8 million other things and and my kids sit at home and go dad I'm bored because I have nothing to do while they play on their iPad and their Kindle and their every other million things that they have we live in such a society and we live amongst such a people that Happiness is all of those things, and I don't say that, really, that's not even in my notes. I say that just on the side of, we understand it, but as we go through the book of Philippians, we're going to see that happiness and the joy that is being brought and the joy that is being written of by Paul is not of things, but it's of Him, it's of Christ giving us that happiness and giving us that joy and enabling us to live our lives in Joy and happiness and peace and all of those things. So this morning, this is going to be, a, for me, I think this is a little bit different of a sermon because I'm, I'm doing a lot of introductory things. I'm probably doing far more teaching than I normally would on a Sunday morning than I would be preaching. But as we get into this morning, I want to introduce the book of Philippians, as opposed to we're not going to jump right into verse number one and chapter number one today. But as we get into the book of Philippians and we look at the church at Philippi, and as I stated, we've, we're looking at Paul, who being the author, was in a Roman prison when he was writing this letter. Paul's entire Christian journey was one of many, many bad circumstances. 
It was but days after his incredible conversion that we would talk about in Acts chapter 9 that his life became in danger. Then he was forced to flee another city in Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 14, a little bit later, verses 19 and so on, it it goes that he was stoned and left for dead. In Acts chapter 16, he was put in jail here that we're looking, what we're looking at here in Philippi, but he was put in jail in Philippi, and we'll get to that passage in just a few moments. In Acts 17, he was forced to leave again. In Acts, and, and again, as we continue on in Acts uh, 17, later verses, he was coming and brought before the Roman council. In chapter 18, there was op- opposition. In chapter 19, there were riots and, and so on and so forth throughout the entire book of Acts. But yet, throughout all of those things, we will read a book, the book of Philippians, and the theme of the book is joy. Paul, writing after having been in a Roman prison for four years by this time. And the theme on the things that he writes is joy. I don't know about you, I don't know how much joy comes out of a Roman prison cell. But we're reading it, and we'll read through it in the book of Philippians over the course of many weeks. But the church of Philippi, they weren't much better. They were a very poor group of people. We would see some of that at Paul's surprise of how they contributed to Paul's ministry. He wasn't surprised just because somebody gave him money, but he was surprised at who it came from based on the people having nothing, but yet they supported him as he left their church and started their church and would go somewhere else, and and that church supported him throughout that. Yet despite circumstance, joy was the outcome in the heart. Joy is the music that runs through this epistle, the sunshine that spreads over all of it. The whole epistle radiates joy and happiness, is what R.C.H. Lenski said. So before we get into the start of the church at Philippi, I want to take us to the the location, the setting of of where this church was. If you're not a, uh, a person that loves history, I apologize We're going to go through some of that this morning, and like I said, I really don't often sit here and read a lot of notes, but for the sake of really laying this whole thing out as how this church started, I'm going to do some of that this morning. But Philippi was an important city in eastern Macedonia. It was located at the base of a hill, at the base of a mountain, at a fertile plain there right off of the Gangites River. They were, it was an important city based on their location. They were located off of one of the main roads, of the Roman roads that went right through the, the, the town there. It was also important because of a gold mine that was, was as well located right there. The city itself was named after Philip II, who conquered that and was actually the father of Alexander the Great. Philippi was incorporated into the Roman province as a colony after the Romans conquered Macedonia. Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius, which was the most famous thing that really took place in that area. And after that, uh, Antony and Octavian settled many of their army veterans and and many of their people began to settle right there in, in Philippi. 
as a Roman colony, those at Philippi had the same legal status as Roman citizens. They were exempt from certain taxes. They were not subject to authority of provincial governor. It was basically a little Rome inside the midst of the Greek culture. Roman colonies, Rome, they they set out colonies very similar to what the Roman roads were. It was a part of their protection of, of, so that they couldn't be conquered. You'd have to go through the different colonies and, and all of those things were part of their, their protection and a part of the number of different things there that, that took place. They had the Roman roads. They had, it was all a part of their fortification. If we look in Acts chapter 16, which is where we'll be this morning, and in verse number 9, it says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And if we were to continue to go in verse number 10, it said, And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. I'll get into these passages in in just a few moments, but we come and we kind of see a little bit of of where they were, where Paul was, and and Paul was with uh, Silas, and he was uh, Luke would join them in in a, in a short time. But as we look at this passage of scripture here in the next couple moments, we see that Paul had a had a goal to do one thing in verses six through eight, and I'll get to that in a moment. And then God gave this man the vision to come and appear before Paul. Paul did not want to go. To Philippi. Paul had his goals and his mind was set to go to Asia and he was put off over and over time and again as as we'll see in a moment. And I don't know why. We don't know. There is no specific reason as to why. Maybe maybe Paul didn't enjoy or embrace the the paganism of Europe. Maybe he thought that the people were, were too into their false worship their worship of Greek mythology or Rome's pantheon or, or Asiatic cults. Maybe the Egyptian superstition wasn't worthy of God. These pagan beliefs left man powerless against the passions and only amused him while they helped him to be unholy. Yet at the same time, this would become a turning of Paul's plans and dreams and changed all of history forever. Let me share with you where Paul was in this journey, and then I'll get into the sermon this morning. Paul was in Troas, which was about 125 miles across the sea, which is roughly a two-day journey. He arrived at Neapolis, which was about nine miles or so to where Philippi was. They left behind them the Orient, its commercial wealth, its great cities, its libraries, its renowned temples. And before it lie Athens, feasting on glories of the past, and Rome, the dynamic new ruler of the world. They would have climbed steep hills, passing old houses, the glory of Rome, and all of those things were all about them everywhere that they went. 
In verse number 12 of 16, Luke says that it is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. It was a place where there were no Hebrews, there were no Jewish, there was no Jewish culture there. It was a place where there there wasn't many things that they would have known. Very few Asians and those that were, were, were among the slaves, were artisans, were poorer storekeepers. They were in the more depressed parts of the city. There were no Hebrews, as, as we'll see, as there was no synagogue when Paul went there. And he, as Paul was as accustomed to Paul, when he would go and he would teach, he would go to the synagogues and he would present the gospel to those at the synagogue. Well, as we see, and we'll see in just a few moments in Acts 16, that Paul had to go outside of the city and he met with a group of people that were praying because there weren't enough people to have a synagogue inside the city walls. And so as we look at this passage this morning, this is really kind of the the background as to how the church at Philippi kind of came about. And I'm not going to lie, I... I have racked my brain trying to make sure how in the world can I make this very, very practical to where we are today. And I believe that God gave me a few points within this passage in Acts chapter 16 that does some of those things. If we were to look in Acts chapter 16, in verse number 6, the the first point that I have this morning is the closed door. And in verse number 6 it says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came to Troas, and this is where they were when Paul received the vision, appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing Troas in verse 11, we came with a straight course to some. Samothracia, whatever that is, and the next day to Neapolis. And again, that, that little one that I just butchered was a, basically like a little island in the middle between the two. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. And I say that, that it's a closed door, because as we look and as we saw in verse number 6 and 7 and 8, Paul had one goal, and his goal was to go into Asia, and his goal was to preach the gospel into Asia. And everywhere that Paul went, those doors were closed. Every place that he went, it says the Holy Spirit led him somewhere else. The Holy Spirit led him somewhere else. The the door was shut. Many, many times as we look at our own Christian lives and as we look at at the introduction of of this series of Be Happy and, and we do all of these things this morning, many times in our Christian lives we have our own agenda and we have our own goal just like Paul did and the door is shut. Here's the difference between Paul and sometimes myself and maybe some of you that sit here this morning. In verse number 10, after he saw the vision, he immediately endeavored to where he felt called to go. So many times we look at it in our lives and the door is shut, boom, right in our face and we go, but wait a second. 
God, don't you understand? Look at all of these things. This is what's going on. And I'll be real honest, I've thought that so many times in my own life. God, things are going the way that I think that they should be going. Things are good. Why would you have that now? Why now would you put that in my life? If you would have done that six months ago, I'd have said, who cares? But now, all of a sudden, life is okay. The finances are better. The job is better. And now you throw this out there? And we think the door is shut. Here is Paul wanting to go to Asia, wanting to present the gospel. And and here's what's even better. Sometimes the door is shut when we're doing something that's good. Paul's preaching the gospel, right? What's better than that? He's a missionary. He's on his journey. But so many times when that door is shut, really that the questions become, it's just like I stated in the very, very beginning of the introduction. Do our circumstances control us? Is it the circumstance that enables us to do whatever the thing is that we want to do? Does circumstance make me happy? Does circumstance make me have a better marriage? Does circumstance make me a better father? Does circumstance enable me to to manage my finances the way that I should? Does circumstance, and, and here's the reality of it, is circumstances rule most people's lives. Well, that was a tough one, so I guess that guy doesn't like me anymore, so I'm going to go down here. He didn't tell me, she didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, so let's check them out. Let's get out of here. Is that not the culture in which we live? We live in a church culture that's the same way. And I get that every church isn't for every person. But our church culture is what? Well, I better not go back over there because they did this, this, and this, and I don't approve of that. They had drums on the stage. I don't approve of that. They didn't sing enough hymns. I don't approve of that. They did this. They don't do that. And, and it's, well, I got to go find a church. I'm church hop. We have more church hoppers than we do church members in our society. And I'm not saying that if you're looking for a church, I'm not saying that. You're, now you hate my guts and you're not coming back. I'm sorry. But that's, that's kind of the culture in which we live. We need everybody to make sure that we are happy. Sad but true, I've been in ministry now 10 years. You know, much of my position and much of my jobs over the course of the last 10 years is making sure that the people that are under me are happy. That's what pastors spend time doing oftentimes. Meeting with people to make sure that our people are happy so that they'll come back and they'll continue to give. Our circumstance dictates so much of what we do. Instead of us dictating, hey, this is who I am. These are the foundations. This is the, these are the standards. These are the, these are the things that I base my life on. The principles of my life are founded in here. And until those things change, nothing else changes. But when those doors close, we get a little frustrated. We don't know what to do. And many times we stop. As we continue to go through, and I'm, this chapter 16 I could probably spend two months on, and I'm going to do this in the next 15 minutes. But as we continue to go through, the door was closed. Boom. Now here's what we see. 
Paul was going in this direction. The door was shut. He sees a vision. Somebody comes and says, hey, I need you to come over to Macedonia. Paul says, wow, that was God? Awesome. I'm immediately, it says in verse 10, I immediately stop and I, 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 I change course. And in that process, Paul begins to see an awesome, awesome thing. And in verse 13, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a river, by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here's what takes place. I'm on my way. The door is shut. I then stop and go, okay, God, what's next? God shows me that. I immediately turn and I do what God has called me to do. And, and this doesn't happen always, but immediately Paul sees fruit from what he did. There's celebration. The second point that I have this morning is the celebration. How awesome would it be that you, knew, you were called this way and you felt strong that this is what it is and then all of a sudden the door slams and you're like, hold on, time out, why? And you go, okay, well, stop, let's go over here. And in that process, you go over here, you get to a place that there isn't even a synagogue. God, why would you bring me here? There's not even a place that they worship. I don't know what went through Paul's mind. He did not write that he was frustrated that it was not a synagogue. But I don't know if he got to Philippi and he was like, wait, God, why would you bring me here where there's not even people that worship? It took ten men to start a synagogue. Ten men to start a synagogue. And so in the entire city of Philippi, there wasn't ten Jewish believers, enough to start a synagogue. I don't know, I'm just putting words into Paul's mouth. But I'm assuming, I'm thinking Paul is going, God, why? Why? You know what I, he goes, and where does he go? He goes right to the synagogues, and what does he start doing? He teaches and preaches everywhere he went. And so in that, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he started asking questions or I don't know what happened or what took place, but, but he found the one place where the ladies would go outside the city and they would pray together. And he found a group of ladies, and I don't know what that situation looked like, but he walks into that group and he begins to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are gathered. And it says there was one named Lydia who God opened her heart, God softened her heart, and long story short, she accepts Christ, she believes as God had opened her heart, and then she goes back home and her entire household is saved. That's a shout moment, right? Not that... Not, not that one soul came to Christ, but as she left, she went back and she said, hey, you got to come with me. And she takes him back to the house and the entire house comes to know Christ as Savior. And again, as we look at those times, it's not like us. It's not the American culture. 
It wasn't my wife coming home and going, hey, Aaron, this is what happened, and I get saved and my kids. No, when you look at a house at that time, you've got, you've got family, an extended family, and so on and so forth. And I don't know what that number is that accepted Christ in that household. But it's just like going outside of the culture of America today. When we turn 18, we got to get the heck out of our house, right? Well, in other cultures, that's not the case. The kids get married, they come in. And they come in. And families live in, right? Many of you have better experience than I do. But that's, we're, we're different in America. Which is a sad thing, which is why our old people are in nursing homes not being taken care of. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But that's culture. And so, there was such a celebration. I can imagine it at that evening, Paul was just sitting at home going, Man, thank you, God. God, thank you for, for enabling this. And, and man, maybe he looked at his, the guys that were with him. Man, I'm glad we were obedient. I'm glad we did the right thing. The door was shut. The celebration that took place. And here's what's frustrating. The next point is the frustration. Verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer... Never mind, I'm, yeah, I'll just keep reading it. And it came to pass, we went to prayer, uh, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. How exciting. And then it says, And they brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So, How many times has this happened? Walking along the road. I'm just going to play this out again. Door closes. I stop. I turn. I begin to be obedient. In my obedience. Woo! Celebration. God, you're good. God, you're good. Next thing you know, I'm getting beat. It said the stripes. They ripped their clothes off. They tore their clothes off. And in town square, after many stripes had been upon them, they threw them into prison. So here is the story of our lives, right? Maybe my life, not yours. I don't know. Here's the story, right? I go, a door is shut. I come, yay, God is good. I turn this way, one more step, and all of a sudden, whap! Hold on, I thought things were good. And now Paul and Silas are in the middle of town square with their arms tied around a pole getting beat. After coming over here, seeing an entire family come to Christ. 
because of their obedience. Now they come over here, and they're, again, I don't know what, the, what, the, what was going on. It's not all penned down. But God, what in the world? I'm missing it. I'm confused. I'm lost. I am frustrated. Why would you allow this at this time? Did you not remember? I just preached the gospel and a whole group of people got saved. Do you not remember who I am? Don't we do that sometimes? God did. Hey, I'm Aaron Flanagan. (laughs) Did you forget that? We have such a self-complex of ourselves. I do. (laughs) I'm too open to you. Never mind. I don't. I'm the most humble man. No. But we get, is it not right? We get there. We celebrate. And then we get to this place and we're like, stop. I'm, I don't understand, God. How in the world could this take place now? And we go right back. And here's what many of us do. You know what? It's not worth it. Let's just shut the door and I'm just going to go on. We've seen something. God, I, I even can look back and I can I could imagine Paul and his frustration. He could even look back and go, well, I was obedient there. I stopped and I turned. In my obedience, I was able to see souls come to know you. And then, I, and then now all of this stuff, this stuff takes place. How easy would it have been for Paul and Silas and that group to go, you know what? I am done. If we go back, this is not the first time. We're in the middle, coming into the end of Acts chapter 16. Paul being beaten and put in and out of prison started in Acts chapter 9, which was a long time ago. It wasn't like it was the first time. God, at what point does it stop? The frustration. And here's where we get to this place. People being unable to control their circumstances find themselves being controlled by their circumstances. And so now here I am. And because I cast out a demon out of a lady, I am now getting beat and flogged and thrown into prison. I didn't do anything wrong. You know why they were angry? Because that woman made those masters, it says around them, a lot of money. And they didn't like that he came and took out the power. Frustration. And here's where we get to the heart of this entire series that will lead us through for the next few months is the joy. This is where joy comes in. This is where the the heart, this is where the, the guts, this is where kind of that, if you're an athlete, this is where you have to dig really deep and just keep on going. I went the other day and I was watching, we watched the American Sniper. You've seen it? Great. And I got, we got back in the car and I looked at my wife and I thought, and I said this, and I go, There's a huge part of me that would love to go through the training of a SEAL because I think physically I could do it. 
But mentally, I am curious if I would be mentally strong enough to push through the things that those people have to go through. Those special forces and all of those different things, whether it's SEALs or whatever it is in the military. Like, I've often thought of myself, I've always been an athlete, I've always, I love the challenge, I love competition, I love it, and I think, I think in my mind, I could do that. But no one has ever pushed me to the point where I would have to really break or, or just continue to press on. But here's kind of that point. Joy is that point where you just have to continue to press on and live based on the foundational principles that you've placed in your life. Because joy, unlike happiness, isn't the external things that we see. My kids are very happy when it's their birthday and they've received lots of gifts and they are eating cake and ice cream and it's all over their face. They're happy. But at the end of the night, when we're like, it's time to go to bed, they're no longer happy. I want to play with my toys. They're happy is gone. Their happiness is gone. Joy sustains through that when we're like, what? And so here's, this is the really, the, the heart behind this whole series really as we get to this, is this passage of scripture that's not even, it, it's the starting of the church at Philippi, in essence. And so we just finished up, they were just thrown into prison, And we look here in verse number 21, 22. uh, And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither. And 22, the multitude rose up, gathered against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes, commanded to beat them. 23, they were thrown into prison. 24, whoever received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. And then verse 25, and at midnight... Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Here is a joy moment. Here's what I do. I'm being honest, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna turn around. I know as a speaker, I'm not supposed to turn my back to you, but I'm gonna turn around for a moment. I come and on a Sunday or a Wednesday, or maybe it's a Tuesday morning, and I'll come and it's been a bad week, and I'll come down and I'll pray, God. Why are you doing this? God, why did this happen? God, I don't understand. I've not done anything wrong. God, God, God. And it's more about the pity of Aaron Flanagan than it is what, here's what I see. They prayed and what did they do? They sang praises to God. God, I praise you for being in a dungeon because there's nothing better to do tonight. God, I praise you. You are holy. You are righteous. I don't know what the things that they said. I don't know if they were, they had the, they were in Psalms and they were reading some of the Psalms and just praising God through the Psalms. I don't really know what that looked like, but I can just kind of picture Paul and Silas as they were praying and they were singing out songs of praise to God. They had just been beaten. To the point that they were, their stripes were being shown and they had, they had been torn of their clothes. And the joy that comes and that sets in and sets, that lays the foundation right here is so incredibly powerful. They could have stopped. They could have quit. 
They could have said it's, it's, not any, it's no longer worth it. But in the midst of a prison cell, in the midst of basically a dungeon, 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. What does the prison keeper do? He grabs his sword, holds it up to his throat and says, I am done because I'm going to be done either way. His only job was to make sure that they did not get out. And Paul screams, hey, we're all here. We're all here. And through that circumstance, what happens? The jailer comes to know Christ. Well, let me read it first because this is good. But Paul, in verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And in verse 30, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why does that happen? Why does that happen? All of this happens because two men were not bound by the circumstance of what they were put in and they had a joy because of an almighty God that was in and through their life. Not because God had put them in a great circumstance. Not because they had a great building. Not because they did great. No, because they truly, they were principled. They lived a life and they were full of the Holy Spirit. And so they get to the place, the earth, I don't, could you imagine being praying? Just worshiping God and laying it all at the throne of God. And then all of a sudden the earthquakes and everything around you is just crumbling. And knowing that it was the power of God. I've never asked God to make the earthquake around me. But that would be incredible. And here's these men. In the midst of a horrible circumstance. In the midst of a tough time. The jailers come and they say, what must I do to be saved? And they said in verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. I'm wrapping up this morning. As we kick off the series, Be Happy. This is going to be an ongoing series that will take us throughout this entire year. The church at Philippi started and was started because of God. But it was started because two men were obedient when they had a path to take. And they knew their goal was to go over here and and to preach the gospel in Asia. And to do the things that God had called them, that they felt God had called them to do. And as they went, and as they went, and the door was slammed right in front of them. They stopped and they immediately turned And as they immediately turned, they 
found themselves in a position where they were preaching the gospel to a group of ladies who had been praying. And as Lydia comes to know Christ and her family comes to know Christ, and then they continue, and then there's that frustration. There was that part that just didn't make sense. They were thrown into prison, and in the midst of a jail cell, and in the midst of prison, joy of their heart, the the unspeakable joy that it speaks about in God's Word, just fills them up. And as they're worshiping God, as they're praising God, as they're celebrating God, the earthquakes, the doors are open. The prisoner comes and recognizes who these people are and the power of God on their life and says, what must I do to be saved? Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances or mine. Joy has nothing to do with where you live or how you live in those regards to the circumstance. Joy has everything to do with the inner man Of who we are. I've been preaching on it for the last five weeks. That we would know Him. That we would worship Him. That we would walk with Him. That we would share Him. That we would be a united family at Oasis Baptist Church. That we would serve this community. That we would see all those things. But it starts with the core foundation one is what? That we would know Him and Him crucified. And because Paul and Silas knew Him and Him crucified, they went through all of the things that they went through, prison after prison, being stoned and left to dead, being out in shipwreck, all of the things that had taken place in Paul's life. And he can write a book of Philippians and he can see the things that he saw. Why? Because Paul was full of joy. And this morning, I don't know where you are. But it's exciting to me to, to kind of look, because we'll read through the book of Philippians, but if we don't understand how it started, that Paul was in the midst of heartache and hardship and things weren't going the way that he wanted it to go, but yet because he was faithful, we read about the book of, we read of the church of Philippi throughout the book of Philippians. And we see joy. We can understand it in its purest sense. And that's, that's exciting to me. Let me ask you this morning. Maybe you are here and you're in the midst of a circumstance that you can't figure out. Maybe you are here because doors have been closed. I don't know how many people I've spoken to in my 10 years in Las Vegas that basically say, I hate this place, I want nothing to do with this place, get me the heck out of here. But they're here because the door closed and it led them here. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you are one of those people that the door closed and you were obedient and you just continue to trug along and you continue to do the right thing and you've seen celebration and you've seen God do awesome things and now you're going, wait a second. That's not supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to be in jail. I was obedient. I did the right thing. I don't really know where you're at. Maybe you would be like the jailer and you've seen so many things in your your life and your circumstances and what you've been brought through and you're at a place where you just need to come to an altar and say, what must I do to be saved? 
I've searched for joy and peace and happiness for a long time and there is nothing else. What must I do to be saved? I don't know where you sit this morning. But I know this. I can read the book of Philippians today because of a man in a really, really bad situation who was faithful to the call of God on his life. That's what it is. You sit in a building today because of a group of people 53 years ago who were faithful to the call of God on their life. That's why Oasis Baptist Church exists. Because somebody was faithful many, many years ago. That's what it is. I don't know if anything will be written about Oasis in 20, 30, 50, 60, 100 years from now. I don't know. But I look out here. I see a couple of your fam- of these families that have been a part of this church for over 40 years. There's a story. There's a history. There's people that go through. And they look at it and they go, wow, that guy was faithful, which brought me here. With and we can all say it. Every one of us. Because of the faithfulness of one person that may have been in the midst of a bad circumstance. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.